I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. All right, Owl Pellets, today we are excited to have with us Someone from the great Auburn University, War Eagle. War Eagle. Kevin. Thanks so much for being here with us today. All right, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk to you all, talk to you all about this whole, uh, this whole deal with authenticity and project-based learning. Very cool. Well, let's, let's begin by being authentic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you got going on down there at Auburn? Cool, yeah. Uh, Jason McKibben. I'm an assistant professor here at Auburn. Um, uh, but I've only been here for two and a half or so years. Before that, I was at uh, West Virginia University. I spent a few years there. And, and uh, before that, I was a, a, a high school teacher, uh, mostly in ag mechanics and project-based learning in Texas uh, for seven years before that, all around uh, the state of Texas. So I ended up back at A&M for my, uh, my graduate degrees and then on to West Virginia and then here. Cool. So that's mostly, I've mostly spent most of my career focusing on AgMech, uh, how to teach ag mechanics, how to teach with your hands, how to, students can learn with their hands. And that led me into project-based learning because I think project-based learning is the, is the key for me, at least, to, uh, to teach students um, how to do anything. Yes. So how do we integrate those, those weird concepts into uh, something like welding or construction or, or um, uh, electricity or any of that kind of stuff? Sure. Excellent. So I think that's probably a good place to tee it up. So tell us a little bit about uh, the work that you've been doing and this study about uh, uh, project-based learning and STEM integration. Sure. Um, so how it all got started, we were, uh, we, uh, uh, my uh, advisor, my uh, faculty advisor at Texas A&M, Tim Murphy and I, uh, were just chatting around about kind of how do we build coursework uh, that helps students be able to see how, uh, um, uh, how to learn with their hands and that's kind of again that's how it all started and we we're we we're designing all these uh these modules in our class that, that we taught um for how to teach ag mechanics and it really it, it led us into this this question this conversation about okay so how how far down the road of reality do we really need to, to be so if if i'm teaching somebody um how to frame up a building do I need to actually go and frame up a building or can what we do a lot of times with these little mocked up walls or, or um, uh, popsicle sticks or whatever it happens to be, is that actually teaching the things we need to teach? Uh, how far into that conversation do we need to go to actually make it worthwhile for our students and where can we stop? I mean, as much as I love I love building. I love, you know, I, I would love, I love building trailers and, and buildings and, and pulling wire and, and all that kind of stuff. But we all know that that's really expensive and it takes a, a great deal of time um, that we could maybe be doing other things as well. And so where do we need to stop? So where can basically, where can we stop or where can we start in that, in that level? And so he kind of tasked me with this idea. I said, okay, well, if you really want to know that, figure it out. <laughs> you know? good ag teacher in him said, okay, well, you got a question, answer it. And so um, that led me down a, 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 a rabbit hole for a few months. And I landed on this, um, this model 
for, for project-based learning that was called the gold standard model for project-based learning. A company called Buck put it out uh, at this point, six, seven years ago. Um, these two guys that were, were pushing around on it and said that every project-based learning uh, experience should be uh, the project itsh itself should be uh, uh, incorporate these different aspects. So it should be started with a challenge or a question. Uh, it should sustain the student's interest or their inquiry. Uh, it has to be authentic. Uh, and I, I'm using air quotes with that because that we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, it needs to have student choice and voice into it. So the kids have to be able to say that they somehow made a decision about it and give ownership to the project. It needs to clearly have reflection because we can't get that far away from Dewey or somehow he will pull out of the grave and slap us, <laughs> um, at least me. Yeah. Uh, and then we have to have critique and revision to it. Uh, so it has to be a public product that we can critique and revise. So that iterative kind of iterative design, iterative learning, uh, kids have to be able to, uh, to see what they've done wrong. At least that's how I interpret that st statement. Kids have to be able to say, oh, you know, when I, I cut that board three times in a row and it was still too short, they have to be able to see that, that they, they did that wrong and why they did that wrong. Yeah. So we, we kind of landed in on that. And we started playing around with that model going, okay, how does that work? And so that's, that's really where we landed in this whole project. Sure. And I, I think that this model is, is such a good thing because I, I think we, we talk about projects a lot, especially in ag ed, we do projects, but would you, what do you think are, is doing projects different than project-based learning? And if so, how? Yeah, so it, it, to me, it's what is, the, uh, what is the goal? So if the goal is, uh, I'll, I'll use my experiences, if the goal is to put out a 40-foot gooseneck, mm -hmm. then you're doing a project. Mm -hmm. If the goal is to have projects help facilitate a student's understanding of concepts and of objectives and reaching those objectives, then you have project-based learning. Um, those being the big, the big differences. I, a buddy of mine used to say all the time that um, my, my product is kids every once in a while, like shooting houses and goosenecks fall out of the back of the shop. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's kind of the great way I, I explain to my students, my pre-service teachers, the, what project-based learning means. I think that's a great take-home message because I think too often we get lost in the project or the product and forget about the student learning that goes along with it. So helping uh, us and ag teachers uh, remind us that um, it's really about the learning and understanding the concepts and and the teaching and learning that goes along with that's a, a huge um, important element. So I think that's good. Well, and sometimes it's hard teachers get lost in that too because that gooseneck trailer or the plants in the greenhouse or whatever else is all, and other than being just learning, it's their fundraiser. Yeah. Right, no, it is. And, and as you mentioned, especially now lumber and lumber and metal and equipment is so is so inexpensive, right? It's just so cheap right now. It's it's, yeah. Oh, it's out, outrageous what it costs. And so it's hard to, it's hard to kill a bunch of plants in a greenhouse or uh, you said cut that board three times and it still be too short um uh, you, know, well, you just get the board stretcher out if that's the case <laughs> you, that's right. well make sure it's a left-handed board stretcher <laughs> <laughs> so but again I, i'm gonna spend some time and i, I really hope we, people see this model and, and as teachers think about that the reflection piece and that student choice piece is so important but we're going to spend some more time here talking about one of those things called um, authenticity. So 
what the heck does authenticity mean other than making me stop and make sure I put my emphasis on the right syllable every time I say it? I, it's, it's, well, that's was our big question. We, we kept asking that. We said, okay, so I can find I can find reason that the rest of this model makes sense. So there are all of these other aspects to it. There's seven primary elements to this thing. And I can find points in literature, you know, we're good literature-based human beings. So I can find points in literature that said that the six of these are sound, absolutely sound. They make sense. So it's that authenticity one though, that, that there's not a lot out there that says, yeah, this makes sense. Here it is, because there's no real good definition of what it what it means. And especially right now, authenticity and authentic self and all that kind of stuff are kind of in the zeitgeist or in, in the conversation and going on in the world. And so we all think we know what authenticity means. And I think we have a working definition of it, but we don't really have a literature-based definition for what it means to be an authentic project. Because I, I mean, quite honestly, I, I wrote Tim and I wrote a paper on it, and I still don't really know what it means. Um, I know what it means when something's kind of where that fits. I know the functional definition we used, right. which would have been, and, and that was, I, I, because I'm me, I just started calling people that apparently I wasn't supposed to, because um, you're not supposed to call the people that publish all these things and say, hey, what'd you do? And yeah. so I did. Uh, and, and they basically said, yeah, we don't really know either. Um, if you figure it out, let us know. Um, and we just like, it just made sense. Authenticity as a word just made sense. And so the functioning definition we used was kind of uh, closest to applicable reality. Mm -hmm. So if we're, if we're teaching students about, uh, um, you know, vaccinating goats, the, the most authentic thing would be have a bottle in your hand, syringe in the other one, drawing up, you know, the correct amount of, uh, of vac uh, vaccine, placing it in the correct spot, giving that vaccination, and then doing that in a repetitive manner till they understood exactly what the concepts were. That would be the most authentic. Um, you know, stepping back from that would be removing some of those aspects. So, you know, which we shoot them in an orange, not using real medicine, not really using a syringe, you know, it, you can start removing those aspects and getting farther away from the authenticity, if you will, of this, uh, uh, of the project. It takes a lot of goats. To get it to does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the question is, so what, what happens when they mess up? Yeah. Right. And that's, and that, that's, and that's a real question, right? So it's going back to the ag mech stuff. Cause again, that's where my brain lives. Mm -hmm. Um, you mess up a set of, uh, uh, of axle hangers and you don't catch it and they're rolling down the road, somebody can die. Right. I mean, I mean, y'all probably thrown a tire before or shredded a, a, a rim and it, it, it can get hurt. Somebody can really get hurt. I've been passed by my own tire once and it's not a pleasant feeling. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, I think part of this too, when you, when you start thinking about, um, how important the contextual pieces of this is and you know we could throw out some good examples of you know learning to fly a drone or right. thinking about uh, I was flying a plane flying a helicopter being a doctor you know how, how, do, how do you go about those elements of practice and, and skill development as we think about that authenticity and unpack that a little bit so Right. And there are aspects of simulation in this that we that we didn't play with. Yeah. 
that we didn't really approach in this specific project that I think some others are doing some awesome work with, um, you know, OP uh, down there at Mississippi State. Some of those guys are doing awesome work with simulation and simulated kind of concept building and all that kind of stuff that, that dovetails well with this stuff that are that is really interesting. So the real question is now, what do y'all find? Do we do I have to do I have to line up a bunch of goats and give them a, give them a vaccine to, to know how to do it? Well, so it all depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Are you trying to teach them how to? Uh, are, are, so what we did was electricity. So are you trying to teach them to pull wire and run a switch? Or are you trying to teach them the scientific concepts behind it? So this project was all about the science behind it because that was a, a push and still is. How do we make sure students are understanding scientific concepts in and around our courses? Um, I'm of the belief that, that ag is a, is a science discipline um, and we just contextualize in living and, and breathing things. And so um, we were really looking at how we can make sure and emphasize uh, the science of it and then students can pull the science out. And what we found was that in all honesty, if you're just, if you're worried about the science parts of this, you, you don't have to be uh, um, nose on real. So again, I keep going back to electricity because that happened to be the context of this project um, or the, the units that we use the, uh, um, for, this, uh, for this research. We found that um, we found that uh, using something that, that allowed students to make more what I call cognitive leaps, and I'm not the only one, a lot of people call it that, cognitive leaps along the way helps solidify those scientific concepts in their brain. They, they help understand them better. So what we did with um, we, uh, uh, squishy circuits is electroconductive Plato's. Um, it made students stop thinking about electricity as being something that only runs through a wire. Mm. Started making students think that, oh, electricity runs through a conductor. And a conductor is some, anything that conducts electricity. So I, to, to put that back to a context that we were speaking about earlier, um, I run all my grounds, at least I, I do sometimes, all the grounds for, uh, for taillights through the trailer. So why is a frame, a frame is just a wire if you want to think about it like that, because it conducts electricity. So a student being able to understand, all I've got to do is run a screw back to that frame. And as long as it's connected through the ball all the way back to the pickup, it can actually conduct that electricity in a circuit. And what we found was that the farther, the more leaps a student had to make away from uh, what they understood reality to be, the more they understood the science behind it. This, again, this didn't talk about any of the, the, the real world application of, of any of the, the um, you know, skill-based concepts, but it was just about the science of it. And that's what we found. The kids that did squishy circuits, man, they learned all sorts of stuff. It was fun. Um, they learned things we didn't intend. They started playing. I, I watched some of the videos because I, I wasn't in the room because I, I would have gotten too nerdy and made them do weird things because um, I just nerd out on stuff. Uh, they started figuring out Ohm's law without being told. Oh, wow. Um, they figured out that if they put, if they stretch the, uh, the Play-Doh out longer, it made the light dimmer. Hmm. And if they cut it shorter, it made the light brighter. Um, and if they put more, the, 
uh, uh, past a certain point, if they put more lights in the dough, the lights got dimmer, or if they arranged them in a certain configuration, they, um, so parallel versus series and all that kind of stuff, it would change the intensity of light, or if they added more battery packs in either series or parallel, it would either blow the light out, which always makes kids excited, or, um, or make it really dull and dim. It was kind of neat. And they were cheap. So the lights we used were less than a penny a piece. So I didn't care. I mean, you know, I mean, if a kid figures out, you know, quote unquote, Ohm's law, um, and it costs me, you know, three cents, mm -hmm. awesome. I, I consider that well spent. Good investment. Uh, yep. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where we were with it. It was kind of cool. Well, I think it's an interesting concept for us to be thinking about, you know, we, you know, we all kind of buy the same thing that agriculture and agriculture education is a science concept. We're trying to do that too. But we also have that career focus and the technical mm -hmm. focus to that thing as well. And so kind of, kind of focusing on the, on the how and the why that we right. do it here. The how of the why. Yeah. So what, what kind of advice do you have for, for ag teachers that are listening to this about how to use this in their own, in their own classrooms? That I always said I was when I was in the classroom, I was always nervous or worried or concerned with making sure, man, I got to make sure that kid can see a 100 percent application to this is that they could leave my, my shop, my classroom and say, oh, man, here's how this works and here's how to apply it. And then I think. Using that in most of the, the decision making process with projects is important, but remembering that it's OK to throw some of this other stuff in there to help ram home some of the more abstract concepts mm -hmm. to help them be able to because those kids then because I've kept up with some of them I, I ended up knowing some of the kids in the study I didn't know it at the time but I did later um, uh, were able to then apply that same kind of abstract knowledge to more concrete experiences later on which you know thank you Kolb um, would so they were able to kind of do that a little bit cleaner if you will than kids who didn't have that abstract experience. So I think, yeah, I mean, now that I'm externally processing this whole thing, quite honestly, it's just, yeah, that's what it was. Well, I think that's so important to be thinking about is, again, kind of goes back to how we started the conversation with what's the product? Right. Is, is the product the, the light or the trailer or the plant or is the product the student learning? And mm -hmm. What I'm hearing you say is it's worth the investment for, you know, to, to, to go down those rabbit trails sometimes that to, to, that causes that longer term type of learning. So that's right. really exciting. And remembering and, and, and remembering what it is that we're trying to get out of them. Right. So, so not just the, the, oh, okay. Students need to learn things, but what is it we're really trying to help solidify? Yeah. So what are we trying to help them with? Are we trying to help them learn how to pull? Uh, or, or give uh, vaccines or, or, or we learn, you know, or mixed soil, or are we really, are we trying to help them understand the difference between, you know, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium? Are we really trying to have them understand what respiratory infection looks like and what to do about it? You know, what are we really trying to teach them? So in, in the case of AgMEC, are we really trying to teach them science? Maybe I was, I am, I always am. I think it's important, even for my, you know, my shop kids, they need to, those kids, man, I always say that, uh, watching a kid be able to uh, discover trigonometry, just don't tell them what it is. Yeah. Hanging a gooseneck was amazing. Yeah. They, they could, they just didn't know sine and cosine, but they were doing the math. 
Yeah, that, and that that's the crazy thing because I, I think and what I hear you saying is you're creating lifelong learners mm -hmm. or self-directed. They're able to problem solve for themselves and and uh, not have to look at other people for answers and and can do things that if you told them they had to do it in a out of a textbook, there's no way they could do it. And right. you, when you put it into a real world contextual experience, they're they're doing it and figuring it out, and it, it it's a it's a pretty phenomenal experience. I think you're right. That goes back to kind of to reference back to the model we were talking about earlier. Um, it goes back to this whole idea of critique and revision. So does a student understand, is a student okay with, I think more than anything, that, that all, all, almost everything is iterative. It all changes all the time and you're it's never right. Are you okay with that? And I think honestly, if we build students to, to, to come out at the end of it saying, I can always improve. I can always find somebody who can help me improve and my job's to do just that to figure out either how to improve or find somebody who can help me improve. I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's one of the things I think about with science as we talk about it and certainly STEM education, you know, students, when they learn science out of a textbook, they, they see it as being really neat and clean and um, sequential and step-by-step. -step. And every time we do this, we're going to get the exact same answer or same response and help having them kind of get, in this messy situation and having them learn that it's not black and white and science is messy and, and um, there's a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes that, that happen through the process is a huge eye opener for students. I mean, think about biology labs and chemistry labs that they go and have in high school or even in college, it's set up for them to have the exact, to get the same response every single time. So they end up thinking that that's the way science is. We're going to get the exact right answer every every time, and and that's not necessarily the case. So I think it's, it's messy. It's, I like that you said dirty. I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, and that's okay. That's good. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, Jason, with, with dealing with these projects. I mean, I think one reason why we sometimes set these things up to always have the same answers because it's I got I got a classroom of thirty or twenty yeah. or right. forty five. So what kind of practical advice do you have for teachers as they're trying to implement more project-based learning into their classroom? You talked about the authenticity piece, but what, you know, just from your, your own experience, just practically, how do you manage 20, 30 kids in a, in a project-based learning setting? Remembering the goals, mm -hmm. quite honestly, that's, that's the key. That's what I teach my pre-service teachers is you got to remember your goal. What is your goal? Is your goal, again, is your goal, the, the birdhouse or, or the kid's ability to do something. And, and if breaking every piece of, of, of board they've been handed or uh, uh, bending every syringe or whatever it happens to be, um, if, they, if they're coming out at the end of it with that knowledge or that understanding or ability, that was, you, you, you succeeded. Um, scrap piles are okay. Broken material is okay. Uh, that just means some kid needed to do it that many times to really get it. Um, and that's what we're there for. Uh, if, if you're really trying to just make, uh, if your goal is to make trinkets to give out at the county fair, then maybe that's not a classroom learning activity. That's a production activity. And that's a very different thing. 
um, then your goal has nothing to do with the kids. It has to do with the, whoever's getting that, that gift. Um, and while I know I, I do it too, but that's, that's a very different concept. We can't, we, we, we need to, I think I, I encourage my pre-service teachers to, and my, my teacher friends to, to make a distinction between those things. I, I'm not saying one is, you should never do production-based stuff because we, I mean, that's just who we are. We have to, but you got to remember your goals. And if, as long as it's lining up with the goal, just because it's not achieving the project in a finished or completed manner, just as long as, long as it lines up with the goal you intended to come out with, um, then you're winning, you're doing good. I think that's a, that's a great final word to be thinking to, to end on here for us that are trying to put those projects in there. And, and also, I don't want, just want to reiterate what you, what you said there. You're not saying, we're not saying that you have to do this project-based learning all the time for every single thing to do this there is it's the variety is important oh it absolutely but, but, is. but when you're doing it to be intentional about doing project-based learning and when you're producing products so yep. jason thank you so much for being with us today thanks guys i enjoyed it this was fun i, I could nerd out about this stuff all day long i love i mean i get hours on projects <laughs> this is great we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.